Welcome everyone to the Energy One Podcast, the show that takes you inside the dynamic world of energy. Join us as you explore the latest trends, technologies, and innovations shaping the industry today. We're here to uncover the stories that drive progress and sustainability in this critical field. I'm your host, Marion Suzuki, and this is the Energy One Podcast. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Energy One Podcast. Today's episode is hosted by our director, Paul Eaton, who sits down with PJ Popovic, the CEO of Rhythm Energy. We're doing a deep dive into the renewable energy landscape and what it means for you. First, they break down what net metering is all about and why it's so important for households that have solar panels. They also explore the unique energy landscape in Texas, comparing it with other markets like California. We'll also get a quick glimpse into what makes Rhythm Energy stand out in this crowded field, thanks to their focus on renewable energy as well as customer satisfaction. So grab your headphones and settle in for the ride. Today, Paul Eden will guide the episode. Let's begin. Hi, PJ. Thanks for coming on the Energy One podcast today to discuss net metering. What was your path into the energy industry? Paul, thank you for having me. So I've been working in energy industry for a while now, and I had a chance to really work on the customer offers and customer basically what kind of how energy industry interaction of the energy companies and the customers for many years. I had a chance to actually uh, be general manager of a business that served millions of customers in North America. And uh, one of the things, by the way, that I observed and noticed is that with energy transition that is really accelerating, there is a lot to be desired for that customers need and want and ultimately is not addressed to innovation in this space. So really in 2020, decided to launch Rhythm Energy and really address some of those needs and kind of combine things that really I enjoy doing and working that I believe you could actually really translate into amazing customer experiences. Those are really technology and technology investment, which I really believe you can build amazing experiences using uh, good tech and good tools to do things very differently. The second one is really building uh, experiences that are really unseen before, not heard before in this industry. So I asked myself a question, what would it take for customers to fall in love with their electricity provider? It's not a question that uh, is normally asked and people expect, but I believe that is really such an important one to address. And the third one is really how can you take renewables and how can you actually take the lead on the energy transition and really help consumers win in that transition. So as part of Rhythm, we went on the journey, we actually wanted to build really great tools and tech that actually hits the best customer experience you can absolutely get. We're so proud to say that we have fantastic net promoter scores, fantastic customer satisfaction scores, to say that we have achieved maybe that first part of the journey. And now we're basically right on the path where we actually are looking to lead the way on the energy transition side. Let's talk about net metering. Could you explain what net metering is and how it works? Yes. So for companies like Rhythm, we serve customers who install solar on their rooftops. And if you think about it, if you make that investment in such a big asset purchase like uh, solar and battery, or just solar for that matter, you want to make sure that you have a company that can uh, really sell you electricity when you're not producing or where you're producing more than you actually consume. You want a company that will buy that back from you. So net metering plans where you actually have a, a setup, a structure in place that will allow you to import electricity when you need it and export electricity when you have access electricity. So we have a number of those plans, and actually that's one of the things that actually is really a must-have if you have solar or any kind of generating asset in your household. The benefits are very clear. The ability to sell electricity that you generate on your rooftop back into the grid. Are there any drawbacks or risks involved 
in net metering? So we have seen over the course of several years uh, quite a bit of evolution of net metering plans. And uh, I will say many utilities across the United States had a little bit of a learning process in terms of what is the best and most optimal net metering plan that ultimately will benefit not just the consumer, but actually will be something that's more sustainable in the long run and ultimately will create a grid that is actually sustainable as well. If you think about like what is the challenge, let me start with the real challenge. As a solar producer, you end up producing energy when the sun is up. And nowadays, with the explosion of solar, both utility-scale solar and the rooftop solar, we're seeing a lot of generation during the day hours. Not everyone and not many people do not have battery, do not have capability to store that electricity they produce. So what ends up happening is that the market gets flooded with the cheap solar energy during the day. That is not necessarily with the market the other consumers in the state want to or need the energy. So we've seen really deterioration of the electricity price during the day hours when you have a lot of cheap solar energy being produced. So there is a lot of question around, is this sustainable? If you think about it, in the long run, we're going to have to go to some kind of a combination of solar and battery where actually consumers can be a little bit more capable of actually timing and shifting that generation or exports to ours when the energy is needed. This is, by the way, not just the issue with the residential customers. This is also the issue with the grid itself, with utility-scale solar. And we've just been hearing from the Public Utility Commission of Texas some of the challenges that renewables without actually enough dispatchable generation can bring. So for that reason, as I said, evolution of the energy price we've seen is really towards incentivizing customers to be paid more in the hours if they export in the hours especially evening hours when actually electricity is more needed. Really, what is the consequence of that? We're going to see probably more and more incentives towards solar systems that are bundled with the batteries and basically will allow consumers that flexibility in terms of when they can export their energy. Along those lines, I recently read a New York Times article related to the concept of a battery, where there's a huge increase in these construction projects where they build a small reservoir in the mountains and during the night, when the electricity is cheap, they pump the water from the lower reservoir up to the elevated reservoir, storing that energy. And then they have turbines in times of high demand. They turn on the water, the turbine runs, and they sell the electricity into the grid, which is that's very interesting. And that was in the New York Times, I think last week. It was a very good article. So let's talk about the impact of net metering on the energy market. And does it have a, an effect on grid stability? So the way I would actually summarize it, net metering products, in a way, will allow customers to monetize their asset investment, big purchase. And uh, a good, well-structured net metering product will actually impact grid stability through incentivizing certain type of behavior and certain type of investment. As I stated before, in the state of Texas, just to focus on that one for a second, we've seen a big evolution of the net metering plans, or as it's called here, solar buyback plans where we are moving again more towards the structure where, again, you can see now plans that are pegged to the index price in terms of the export uh, value being pegged to the real-time energy price. So yes, you are seeing actually some more and more tying of those uh, net metering plans to the real-time energy, which again will incentivize customers to export energy in the evening hours. So if you think about that particular example I just used, there is definitely an incentive that's going to drive now customers from just solar, which may have been okay in the years behind us, 
do more of a battery, solar plus battery, which again will incentivize certain uh, type of a behavior. You also are seeing now, I'm not sure how much you followed, but for example, California has net metering uh, rules uh, change, big change that was actually quite a bit in the media recently, where they actually went as extreme as to say that they have too much solar, as a matter of fact, now on the grid. And they're now charging quite a bit of money to even get solar connected to the grid itself. So you will see probably a decline in the solar investment. So pretty much net metering rules, I would argue, are being used as a, are really a direct investment into more solar, less solar, and so forth. One thing I do want to point out, though, is that net metering rules are and plans are not the only thing that actually will drive investment in solar. We're seeing, of course, a huge incentive driven through an IRA that actually we know will drive, again, more investment because you're getting nice tax incentive for customers to invest in solar, invest in batteries. So I would argue that in the years to come, you're going to see definitely continued accelerated actual investment where people are installing more and more solar batteries in their households. The increase in the use of net metering, is that going to have an effect on severe climate events that we've experienced in the last two or three years, at least here in Texas, other than the customer will be able to have, particularly with a battery, continuous electricity, they won't go down. Will net metering affect the grid in severe climate events like we had a couple of years ago when they had the big freeze? So I would say that net metering will be a small component in actually grid stability. You have to take a step back and think about the overall market design and actually everything else that's going on when we talk about grid stability. First of all, I think you asked the question around the weather events. I think we're all seeing that the weather events are becoming more common. And right now, I think we can all expect that you're going to see a deep freeze in Texas almost every winter. We've seen it at least the last couple of winters. And we just went through the winter storm Elliot in December. And uh, we've seen something that's really resembling URI, which we all thought will be one in a, I don't know how many decades event. First of all, let's set it straight, like winter events and weather events, severe weather events are going to continue happening probably at an accelerated pace. Now, if you ask yourself a question like what is going to allow us not to lose power and ultimately to have something that's really, we all want to have, like ultimately it's, it's really important for us to have a power and actually be able to turn the heating on when it's needed, especially during the winter, you're asking about market design as a whole. We just had a couple of days ago, Public Utility Commission and ERCOT really came out and talked about uh, this upcoming summer being really challenging from the perspective of not having enough thermal generation to supply potentially all of the customers in some of the peak summer scenarios. So I would say that the uh, important piece here to talk about is the market design. And let's actually set this straight. We do not have a very reliable market, in my view, at this moment in Texas. Just the very fact that we're talking about Potentially that if the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, we're going to be potentially losing power, in my view, is not a really good position to be in. And you really ask a question, why are we acknowledging this now and why we didn't ask this question years ago? But anyway, nevertheless, we are talking about it now. And I would say that the a combination of the thermal generation and really dispatchable generation is must have for a state that has a tremendous growth. We in Texas are seeing every year hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I believe the estimate was 300,000 customers comes in here every 12 months. We're seeing more and more businesses uh, opening up. And uh, this is something that you've got to take seriously and understand that we need a market design that's going to give us a balanced development where we're going to have some thermal generation being there and growing with the renewable generation. 
as we're trying to find these new innovative ways to store that energy. And you mentioned one example, you know, we're talking now about hydrogen facilities. We're talking about more and more batteries, longer duration batteries being built out. This is one thing that's still out in the open and, and still not decided what is that right balance. But I mean, let's just agree one thing is that we need to have a proper market design and net metering is just a small component in that overall design. You brought up ERCOT and you also mentioned policy changes in California. Do you see any potential changes that Texas may have regarding net metering and the regulations therein? So net metering in Texas, unlike California, is done by the retail energy providers themselves. So retail energy providers here in Texas really control the plans that customers ultimately subscribe to. So you've seen an evolution of those plans as those retailers were looking to find the best plan that would balance out ultimately customer needs and wants with what's economic in the new world where we're seeing really a rapid change in the grid and market prices and ultimately market prices that are shifting from what used to be like peak hours. We used to call daytime hours as peak hours and now we know that the summer, for example, we're going to have evening hours late evening, like for example, 8, 9 p.m. being the most expensive hour. So there is an evolution of those plans that are trying to balance. I would not necessarily compare that to California because California as a regulated market has more of the, I would say, one big shift that are happening by the regulated utilities to actually define kind of what that metering plans are going to look like. So we're not necessarily in the same position. However, I can tell you that the Texas for being competitive and open market is seeing probably a drastic and more maybe quicker responses to some market uh, prices and market changes. So that's the only thing maybe that I would say that Texas, I expect fully will be faster adapting to the new realities. Let's talk about in particular rhythm strategies. What are the unique aspects of rhythms model or strategy in regards to net metering that sets it apart from other participants in the market? Yeah, so we had really good solar buyback plans since pretty much the day one since we launched. And uh, really, we've been thrilled to say that we can actually serve tens of thousands of customers on net metering or solar buyback plans. One of the things that I would say set us apart before and to this day is that we truly know solar buyback. We understand that it's not a simple product. We have seen over years that people do not necessarily understand even after making that huge investment and spend tens of thousands of dollars into systems, they do not necessarily understand how that system works, how the solar buyback plans work. And they say sometimes come to us with a little bit of a incorrect expectation of what kind of the system will look like or what ultimately the bills are going to look like after they made that investment. So we made a tremendous, I would say, effort on our part to make sure we really simplify that to the consumers. Through education, we do, whether it's through email communications, websites, frequently asked pages of the website, and most importantly, a really solid customer support team that knows solar inside and out. And actually, we have specialists here in Houston that can answer every single question you have about solar and solar buyback really, really easily and really well. So that's the one thing we're not seeing with others. And this is one thing that I believe it's a must-have if you want to provide good customer service and really provide really great experience to customers on the solar buyback, which by the way, for us is the number one thing. In addition to that, over years, we've been really supporting customers with different solar buyback plans really consistently. We tend as a business, this is not just for solar buyback, just in general, 
we do not change our plans or pull our plans when there is market volatility, when there is uncertainty and so forth. We try to actually really manage volatility in the background and manage all of the ups and downs of the market while providing customers really a nice access to really solid quality plans. So as the time progressed, we definitely had to look at our plans and what's economic. However, we were there to serve Texas consumers, and that's one thing I believe we're recognized for now and really, again, thrilled to serve tens of thousands of customers on these plans. Well, PJ, thank you for talking about NetMeter today and about Rhythm. I really appreciate it. And how can a consumer learn more about net metering and about Rhythm Energy? So luckily, the answer to both is visit our website. We actually spend over years quite a bit of time to talk about and discuss about net metering solar, what does solar installation look like, what does net metering and solar buyback plans, what do they look like? Also, the we have a nice blog pages where you have a nice kind of, I would say, material where you can learn about it. One of the things, by the way, we did end up uh, doing after a couple of years serving customers, we launched uh, five, six months ago, a solar hub, which is effectively our way to serve customers and really help customers switch to solar and batteries. We noticed that there was, again, like I said before, not enough understanding about how solar buyback plans look like. And we believe with all those years of experience and the experience we have serving customers, we can help customers pick the right system size, pick the right battery size, understand what the right investment looks like and understand what the return on that investment looks like so that you can pick ultimately the best uh, solar, I guess, uh, system that, that will work for your household. So Solar Hub is another resource we give. Uh, we actually have so kind of it's all on our website and uh, it's godrhythm.com. Well, thanks again. And we'll put a link in the show notes for Rhythm Energy. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Energy One Podcast. Stay connected and join the conversation. Reach out to us at info at energyonepodcast.com. Join us next time as we keep exploring this industry and the brilliant minds that make it all possible.